Okay, thank you everyone for joining. So we are discussing the Mida of, of Kas and dealing with situations that are difficult, that get us angry. Um, we spoke last week about expectations. Um, just to continue a little bit in dealing with difficult situations, um, it's worthwhile to remember the Gemara and Erechen on Tezayin Amabiz. The Gemara says that if a person puts his hand into his pocket to pull out three coins, and they only pull out two coins, it's considered Yisurim, it's considered suffering. I think the Gemara is remarkable. The Gemara teaches us how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us, that really things, so to say, should go our way. You wanted to get out three coins, you should get out three coins. But it didn't go our way because that's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted, because it's a kapara, it's an atonement for our virus. And when things are difficult for us, we should try to remember that it's a kapara. And even if you know someone else is doing something that bothers us or gets us upset, um, they are a shliach, they are a messenger. Like the chenach says that a person should not take revenge because a person should understand that this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is, this is from Hashem. Again, easier said than done, but what a schus it is, what a schus it is when a person is going through a difficult time, instead of getting angry, to accept, to accept it's a kapara, to accept it's an atonement. Another, another idea in anger is a person has to try to understand what's, what's getting them angry, angry, which really is the whole idea we're speaking about. Midos is understanding ourselves. So try to understand what is getting us angry. Sometimes when we understand what gets us angry, you know, that helps us, helps us work on it. Um, Many times a person gets angry over something that appears to be a matter of, of ruchnius, of a spiritual matter. For example, you're waiting for someone to go to a shear, uh, and they're keeping you waiting. So you're so angry, so angry, and you feel justified that you're angry. You know, maybe if you're waiting to go shopping, you wouldn't feel justified if you're going to a shear, or you're going to help someone, you're going to do a chesed. So you feel justified in your anger. You have to realize very simply that you're not angry because you're late to the shear. You're not angry because you're not able to perform the chesed. You're angry because the person kept you waiting. The person's not being sensitive, and uh, and the person and the person kept the person kept you waiting. So that's really why you're angry. And uh, in the case of the chesed, you could think about uh, here. I'm trying to do chesed. And, and I'm being angry at this person. What, what about my chesed? What about my chesed with this person that I'm waiting for? I should care, care about them, not to get upset, not to get angry at them, not to hurt their feelings um, when they finally come to the car. So you have to keep in mind really what's going on. So many times people are angry and they feel justified and they don't really understand why they're angry. Um, there's rarely, there's rarely ever a justification to be angry. Uh, when it comes to being angry that people are doing something wrong, you know, I, you know so we say, Ayave Hashem, Sinura, those that love Hashem, hate evil. But very, very few people are on such a level. 
that they're angry because they care about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they care about Hashem. Very few people are on that level. You have to be on the level of Ayave Hashem. You have to be on the level of, I love Hashem. It bothers me so much if people are acting against Hashem. Very, very few of us are on that level. Most, almost always, almost always, our anger is misplaced. Doesn't mean there's no reason for why we're getting angry, but there's no real justification for anger. And, uh, and, and keeping this in mind could be very helpful in, in not becoming not becoming angry. We'll speak about, you know, which is a continuation of anger, and that is the Mida of Savlanas. The Mida of Savlanas, people, we translate as patience. That's not really a good translation. Tra- patience sounds like, you know, you're waiting, in the, um, you're waiting in the doctor's office or you're waiting in a restaurant for your food, so you have patience. Um, but that's, that's a very small, that's one part of Savlanas. Savlanas means to really bear, to really accept. Savlanas to be sovel, to bear, to accept, to accept what's going on, to accept the situation and not become angry, not become upset, accept another person is, is Savlanas. We learn out Savlanas from Hillel. Hillel was the prototypical Savlan. The Gemara tells us in Shabbos, a famous Gemara on the Aflamanum base, that one should always try to be humble like Hillel. The Gemara says a story where two people made a bet to see if they can get Hillel angry. And it was Arab Shabbos, and the person starts calling outside his home while Hillel is getting ready for Shabbos, while he's washing himself. He says, Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel, Hillel here, Hillel here, and Hillel gets dressed, um, goes outside, and he says, "What do you, Shalbani Shal? Ask my son, ask." And the, the person asks, "Why are the heads of the Babylonians so round?" And Hillel says, "It's a great question because they don't have skillful midwives." And then he waits a few minutes. Hillel, go, Hillel goes back inside. And then he calls out again, Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel, is there Hillel here? Is there Hillel here? I mean, he just he just found out a few minutes ago that Hillel was there. But nonetheless, Hillel goes outside again. And he says, oh, I have a question. He says, Shalbani, ask my son. It sounds like from the Gemara that Hillel really ran to go outside. Almost sounds like from the Gemara that Hillel, you know, stopped, you know, washing himself, when it got dressed, went outside, came back in, continued, continued washing himself. Um, or at the very least, it's definitely Hillel did his best to go outside to answer this person's questions. And I think you see over here that Hillel had a tremendous respect. Hillel had a tremendous respect for every single person, for every single yid. And because he had such a respect, Hillel runs outside to greet this person who's treating him without respect, who's saying, Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel, who's not treating him with respect, but nonetheless, Hillel treats him with, with such respect. And he asks, says, what's your question? And, he, and he's interested in his question. And, and perhaps that's the fundamental you cite. That's a secret of Hillel's patience, Hillel's respect for another person, Hillel's love, for another person, as the Mishnah says in Perkyavos, 
Hillel Oimer, Hillel says, the same Hillel, you should be from the students of Aaron, Oev Shalom, love peace, Bereidev Shalom, and chase peace, Ayavis Abrios, love people, Umakarvan Latira, and bring them close to Tyra. Hillel's affinity and Hillel's respect for every person allowed for that patience. Share with you a Maridik of art, a beautiful art from Rabbi Kalish Shlita. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos that there are different types of people. There are those people, Arba Midos Ba'adam. There are four different types of people. There's someone that says, Shalish, Shalish, Shalach, Shalach, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. There's somebody that says, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. You know, I'll share everything with you, you share everything with me. And, and then you have the Russia, the person that says, What's mine is mine, and what's yours is what's yours is also mine. But Rakilish explained a very simple idea that the first two people, the one that says what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours, or the person that says what's mine and your, is yours and what's yours is mine, that person is a bainini, that person's average, because that person expects what he believes for others as well. What's mine is mine. That person's the type of person that's not a big share doesn't like to share. The girl in the dorm, she keeps her things to herself, doesn't like to share her things. But at least it's shalach shalach. At least what's yours, it's yours. She doesn't expect other people to share, to give with her. She assumes other people like her, just like she doesn't like to share. Her friends don't want to share. So that's at least fair. Another person is very giving. Shalish shalach, what's mine is yours. They're very giving the girl that's always sharing and giving, but she could assume, she could understand that everyone else should do the same or is the same. And therefore she feels, shalach shali, I could help myself to yours. And our job in life is to be a person that is shali shalach, what's mine is yours. I'll work on myself or it's natural to give to others. But I understand shalach shalach. What's yours is yours. I can't expect, I can't put that expectation. My personality or my midos or my growth, I can't put that on someone else. And this idea is very important because I, I believe it gives us insight into not getting angry, not getting upset at people. For example, the girl that is, that's taking your stuff. So ask yourself, does she share her things with others? You know, sometimes when my kids were little, you'd have people uh, drop the kid, kid off by your house and say, you know, we'll, we'll come back, we'll come back tomorrow. You know, we'll come back in a few hours. And, you know, we didn't understand it because, you know, if we would bring our kids to someone else's house, you bring them for an hour or two. But we, we understood that it wasn't being done maliciously. That's what they would, they would be fine if we dropped off our kid uh, by their house for a few hours. So they were just expecting whatever they, whatever they would do for, for others, you know, whatever they would expect, they would, whatever they would do themselves, they're expecting others to do. They would have their kids, uh, their friend's kid, their, their kid's friend for a few hours. So they're expecting others to have friends for a few hours. Most, most people are not malicious. Again, there are times where people are malicious, 
But most times we're dealing with others, it's important to remember, it's not coming out of maliciousness, it's coming out of a different mindset, a different outlook. And because they see things differently, they're acting that way. And if we think about it, we would realize that, that they have a different personality and, and, and it, may, it wouldn't bother them. It may not, whatever they're doing to us, it wouldn't bother them. Now, our job in life, of course, is to come to the level where, you know, we don't expect other people. And even things that we do ourselves, we're very sensitive and we learn other people and understand other people, you know, and not to expect on other people. But when other people do things that bother us, try to, try to think about whether maybe they're just seeing things from a different perspective and in their personality or their experiences, they're not doing anything wrong. They don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. If you, if you did that to them, if you did that to them, it wouldn't bother. It wouldn't bother them. Something, something very powerful and valuable to think about. Just to end off, I'll share with you an amazing Gemara uh, in the Dharam. The Gemara in the Dharam says, there's an interesting story. The Gemara says there was a, a Babylonian man who went there to Israel and married a woman there and they had some communication issues. One of the uh, greatest challenges in marriage is communication. They had a communication problem, a simple language barrier. So he told her, uh, cook me some lentils. And um, he meant, he meant uh, a pot of lentils, but in, in her language, a couple of lentils meant, you know, three lentils. So she cooked him three lentils. She said, bring me two bitsuni. Bitsuni in Eretz melons. Uh, I'm sorry, and Baba in Babylonian is melons. But she brought him two lamps because in Eretz it meant lamps. And then he, he got upset at her. He got angry at her for, for not listening to him because he thought seemingly it was on purpose. So he told her, go take these, go take these lamps and break them on the top of, on top of Baba. Baba is a doorway. Now that's what he meant. Go take the lamps and break them on the doorway. But happened to be that Baba, Baba Ben Buta, was a great Tana, I believe. Uh, Baba Ben Buta was sitting on the doorway, um, judging a case. And she thought that he meant he should take, she should take the lamps and break it on Baba Ben Buta's head. So she went ahead and broke it on Baba Ben Buta's head. And Baba Buddha did something so remarkable, so incredible. He said to her, what are, you, what are you doing? Why did you break this? Why did you break these, these lamps on my head? So she said, my husband, my husband told me to. So he said, uh, your husband told you to? So Hashem should give you two sons like Baba and Buddha. Hashem should bless you two sons like myself, like Baba and Buddha. So I wanted to suggest the idea of the Gemara, the lesson of the Gemara is as follows. Her husband got angry at her, presumably because he thought that she was purposely not listening. Instead of clarifying, instead of asking her, instead of understanding why she's not listening, he became angry at her. But look at the difference between the husband and Baba and Buddha. Someone comes along suddenly and, and bangs you on the head with two lamps, You're, it hurts. You're going to get upset. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Go, go away. But Baba Buddha asks her in all seriousness. He asks her, Mahadein Davdas, what are you, what are you doing? 
he realizes that there must be a reason for this crazy behavior. He wants to understand, what is it that you're doing? And she explains to him, my husband told me, okay, I don't, you know, what the explanation for that is. But Baba and Buddha understood that she was trying to do what her husband wanted. And Baba and Buddha found a lot of value in the fact that she's trying to please her husband. And he blessed her, incredibly enough, to have two sons like Baba and Buddha, maybe alluding to the fact that we've spoken about, I believe. If not, we will. But Shalom Bayes is a, is a key to having good children. He said you should have two wonderful children like Baba and Buddha. It all started with the fact that Bambuta said, what are you doing? I want to understand what you're doing. When people do things that get us upset, whether a spouse, whether our parents, a sibling, a friend, when people do things that get us upset, instead of just getting angry, it's important to stop and think, this. what are you, what is the person doing? Why, why would the person do that? Why would the person do that? And try to think about it. Maybe you'll come up with something, maybe you won't. But it's, it's such an important starting point. Instead of just assuming that the person's being obnoxious, instead of just assuming the person's trying to get us angry, try to ask and understand. Mahadin this. what are you doing? And this is part, of course, of the idea of judging every person favorably. We'll end off with another amazing, amazing Gemara. Gemara says in Tainus and Tessim Abase that when Ula came to Babylonia, we're having a lot of Babylonia tonight. So he saw that the dates were very, were very cheap. Not the shit of dates. The actual dates are cheap. So he said the dates are so cheap. How come, how come people are not learning Torah? So Ula himself took part of the dates, and later he had stomach problems. And later Ula said, the dates are so cheap, uh, they, they're like knives, and yet the Babylonians still are able to learn Torah. Ula first criticized the Babylonians for not learning Torah because the, the income, the Parnassa, was cheap. They could subside on dates. And when Ula saw how difficult the dates were on the stomach, on the stomach, he said the opposite. He said, how are they able to learn Torah with, with, with the difficulty of dealing with the, the stomach problems from the dates. And this is a very important lesson. Sometimes we look at someone else and say, what are they doing? What's the matter with them? And if only, if only we would ask, if only we try to understand, if only we would know their story. If we'd only know their story, very often we would be like, wow, this person's a great person. This person's amazing. If I would have gone through what they've gone through, I would be, I'd be so much worse. So trying to understand the story, and even if we cannot understand the story, but just a recognition that there's more to the story uh, could be very helpful in our, our not getting angry at people. Um, Hashem. We'll do a few questions. Uh, um, what is the right approach to reacting to children's behavior uh, without jumping to anger? So I think this, what we're talking about is very important to try to to try to understand where the kids are coming from. Instead of, just, instead of just assuming that a kid is doing something wrong for no reason, it's so important to ask the child, like, why did, why did you do that? Why, why did you do that? What, what were you thinking? And even if the child has no good answer, the child already feels valued and respected that you actually think that there, there is some explanation for them. Parents, 
educators make such terrible mistakes and, and can destroy children by making that assumption. What are you doing? How do you do that rhetorical question rather than actually asking them the question, what, what, what are you doing? What is, what is going on? Um, yeah, that's a very good question you're asking. A question is asked is that, well, it's true that this, uh, this person upset me is from Hashem, but that person didn't have to do it. And that's a very good question. And I don't have a full answer to that question. I think you're right. It is hard not to be upset at that person because that person didn't have to do it. But, you know, so it's a shtickle, shtickle it's a shayla, it's a shayla on the chinuch. I don't have a good answer. We'll think about it. It does take off the edge a little bit. It takes off the edge a little bit that this situation is designed from Hashem. And maybe Hashem orchestrated that this person had that test of getting upset. And maybe if everything was regular, the person wouldn't be getting so upset or the person wouldn't be treating us this. And there, there are other factors involved. Doesn't mean the person's innocent, but still keeping in mind that, that it's orchestrated from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I think does help to a certain extent mitigate the anger. But I'm not arguing with you. It's a good, it's a good question. Um, Okay, yes, we will discuss Atzlis in the future, Mertashem. The other question is a Shiddah question, which I probably do not have time to, um, to answer right now. But um, I thank everyone for, for joining, and um, it's good to see everyone back. And uh, all right, have a great, have a great night.